Let me see the hands of those people, those who know me here. Okay, what do you know about me? Ah, so you know about me through my wife. That's a good way to know me. Yes, but my name is Sydney. I'm from Bermuda. My wife's from Bermuda as well. My journey has been one of pastoral ministry. And uh, that came to an end in official capacity in 2018, January the 1st. So I took early retirement. And my wife took early retirement, and we said we want a new life. We wanted to start all over again. So guess where we decided to come to start our new life? Brother Warren? To England. <laughs> yes, we decided to do it in England. England and Bermuda have a, a good relation. We are a colony, the colony of uh, Great Britain, and uh, which allows us now to hold um, dual citizenship. So we have our passport, and it was easy for us to settle in England and begin our new life. So my wife has been traveling with me all around the world. We've been missionaries. We've served in Cameroon as well as in Jamaica. And uh, God has blessed us to be able to make an impact um, in different areas and lives of people in different um, ways of life. But as we have transitioned, I wanted to be a part of what drove me, what was a passion, and what really made me tick even while being a full-time pastor. And that was training helping others and believers in particular to experience their full potential in being the Christian that God has called them to be. And so I like to teach. I believe most people who come under my teaching are grateful because God blesses us with gifts and when he blesses it, that gift becomes effective and efficient. And so when we find our place and our role, that's where we shine best. Would you agree? To know what our gift is, to know what our passions are, to know what God has called us to be, what he has asked us to do, un, uh, reveals and unfolds a path of meaning and of great possibilities. Okay, so I am doing what I love, teaching. So if I preach, I preach to teach. And if I teach, well, maybe I do some preaching there too. Uh, but by God's grace, we want to spend a few, um, couple hours together because what starts today or this morning continues after lunch. And so we invite you to be a part of it because it's the journey. If you want to give a name to our workshop, it is personal evangelism. What is it? And personal evangelism is not public evangelism even though it is involved in public evangelism. What's the difference? Can someone give me the difference between personal and public evangelism? Othniel, is that right? Yeah, now you said that your name is better than Jordan's. Is that correct? See, they're still trying to work it out. Who's got the right name? Now, Othniel says it's me because mine comes from the Bible. Well, that's a good reason. But I told Jordan now, you're closer to Jordan because I have a nephew named Jordan. So now I'm going to, I can't fight with the Bible, can I? You see, so I have a dilemma. You have to decide which name is the best. Now, how do we get into that conversation? Well, we, 
I asked the question, didn't I? The question is the difference between personal and public evangelism. Who has the answer? Okay, people we work, yeah. All right. Beautiful. Excellent. Yeah? Anyone else have a, a, a twist to it? Because what was said is correct. But you might want to say it in your, your own words. Public and personal. How would you define, um, differentiate the two? I'm sorry? Oh, yes. A living example? Ah, okay, that's another twist. Yeah, because what is happening right now, if we were into a setting and we wanted to determine, is this setting personal evangelism or public? And what made you say that? Okay, so the thought is that when there are more people involved in the setting, you have more of a public environment. The, the, the fewer the people, the more personal it becomes. And so when it's just you and another person, it is very personal. Would you say? Because there is a greater intimacy now because it's you and me. No distraction. Total attention. It's only about us. And would you say that um, sharing God's good news is most effective at which level? Personal. And why would you say that? Uh -huh. Ah, okay. So do you think it's an either or or both? It's a both. There's a place for both to uh, be a means by which we impact people with the claims of the gospel. Is that right? But a one-on-one -on -one personal intimacy allows relationship to be built so that when we are confronted in a public setting, it's easier to follow. Yeah? Because it's easier to follow. Would you say that it is uh, the first time I met my wife? Do you think I said, um, Katerina, will you marry me? <laughs> now, suppose I would have said that. What, what, what might have happened? <laughs> yeah, it's not a good thing. Because you're getting into a person's personal space. Is that right? Do you have personal space? Yeah, and when people come into you, when they're there, it's okay, but now they're right here. Then what happens? You do what? You move back, right? Because personal space is for people who have a relationship. Yeah? And the level of our relationship dictates how we behave in that personal space. Yeah? And so since people don't know about God, and we have been asked to tell them about Him, What's the best approach to use to get them to know him? Personal or public? Personal, right? So you want to build a relationship, and based on that relationship, you want to bridge a gap and allow now to move into another level of knowing and following Jesus. Today we want to talk about the topic, Go Get Simon. Go Get Simon. Yeah? That's where we want to go with our message. And I'm going to invite you to bow with me in prayer. Dear Lord, we invite you to speak to your, us through your word. 
Help us to understand your love and help us to share your love so that others will join your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, go get Simon. We read the text there in John chapter 1, 35 to 42. Who were some of the characters in that text? Can you recall the scripture reading we read this morning? Who were some of the characters? Jesus was there. Who else? Okay, take a quick look at, read, read that passage for yourself. Read verses 35 to 42. Quietly, just read it. And then tell me uh, who are the characters. Andrew. I hear someone say Andrew. Yeah, Andrew is one of the characters. Yeah, who else? Peter. Peter is mentioned in the text. Anyone else? Jesus is there. All right, let's just get a feel of what you want. To, let's just read that again publicly so that we can uh, put into context the message, go get Simon. The next day, I'm looking at verse 35 now. John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they went spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. This passage comes in the context of chapter 1 of John. Very interesting chapter. Um, introducing the gospel from a different perspective than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the perspective that John uses is one of introducing Jesus as a divine human personality. It started off by saying, uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was nothing made that was made. And then it went on a little further in verse 14 and said, And the word became what? Flesh. Yeah? But now because the word who is God, divine, became human, there was a combination. And in chemistry, when things combine, yeah, then they become different because of the reactions there. And so now when you have divinity becoming humanity, a great transformation occurred. It occurred in the universe for the benefit of the human family. This made a bridge 
a bridge between heaven and earth. Because this created world that God had brought into being, formed from the dust, breathed by his mouth, and given life, lost their perfection. And there became a distance now between us and our creator. And the question is, is this our final stop? And the answer came back, no, it's not. As a matter of fact, there was a plan that went into operation but it was laid before creation. And that plan was to redeem the human race. And so Jesus now comes in the form of a human to make it happen. John also in chapter 1 says he came to his own, but they what? They received him not. But then it went on to say that to many who accepted him, gave he them power to become sons of God. In other words, to be a child of God, to become a member of the family, we need to go by way of who? By way of Jesus. Because he was the God-man who bridged the gap and paid the ultimate price. So here in chapter 1 of John, we are looking at the unfolding of the revelation of this divine personality. He said he came to his own, his own didn't receive him. He came with light, but they rejected the light. He came with truth, but they embraced error. And then as the chapter unfolds, it began to introduce someone else. And who was the next person introduced in the chapter? He also had his name, John. But it was not John, the author of the gospel. It was John the Baptist. Interesting, because John the Baptist came about making an impact on society. So much so he had the attention of the religious leaders. And they wanted to know, who is this man? Yeah? So the word got back to John through his disciples. They want to know, who are you? Are you the Messiah? And what was the answer? No, I'm not the Messiah. Are you Elijah? No, I'm not Elijah. Are you a prophet? Well, no, that's not what I call myself. But who are you? And what was the answer of John? I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now, the preparation reached a, a moment of climax and then we found that someone else came on the scene. Not just John, someone else came on the scene. And who was it? Jesus. And when John saw Jesus, what was his response? Behold the Lamb of God. Who does what? Take away the sin of the world. You remember we talked about the problem that God had to resolve and that's a sin problem. And only he could solve it. And he made a plan. And now the plan was being unfolding. And it unfolded in the person of Jesus who made his presence felt. Yeah? And John now, observing Jesus, began to say to his disciples, this is the one. Yeah? So now you've got a context for our scripture reading. It's in this context that the Bible says the next day, John is now talking to his disciples. 
And he points to them, points them to Jesus. This is the one. This is the Messiah. What happened next? Here? They left him. Here, the followers of John the Baptist left him, and who did they follow? And was this with John's support or against his support? With his support, because he says, I'm the lesser. The greater is here. Yeah? There was a point later that John did got a little confused. He began to wonder, now, is this really him? And then Jesus told his disciples, just tell him what I'm doing. And to solve his, his issue. But John was now decreasing while Jesus was increasing. Because Jesus was the one who John had prepared others for. So now among the disciples now of John the Baptist, we find some of them named, and one of them was named, his name begins with an A. What was it? Andrew. Yeah? So Andrew now had been introduced to Jesus because Jesus says, now, what do you want? Interesting question. Because he gets back to it in the ending of John's book. And the real issue is, what do you really want from me? Yeah? Who do you really believe I am? Am I simply just a great miracle worker? Am I the healer? I am, your, am I your Santa Claus? You know, some people have Santa Claus prayers. Isn't that, isn't that right? What do you want Jesus to give you? Think about it. All your long list of things, Jesus, give me this, give me this, give me that, give me, give me, give me. Jesus is not Santa Claus, you know. And so he's asking them, why do you want me? Who do you think I am? How far? How deep? How wide? How long? Do you want me for a season or do you want me for a lifetime? Yeah? Do you want me just to take care of your human needs or do you have a spiritual emptiness that you want me to fulfill? Do you want me simply to belong to a church and go through routines and fill different roles and functions and to feel important? Is that why you want me? You know, people come to Jesus for different reasons. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah? People come to church for different reasons. I remember I was um, in high school, not, no, elementary school. And uh, I was a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. I had a best friend. He was an AME. But he told me with some beautiful girls to go to the AME church. So guess who I went? I had to go to the AME church to look for the beautiful girls. But they had beautiful girls in my church too. Yeah, so we find ourselves to be attracted to what satisfies, isn't that right? But the real question when we come to Jesus is, what do you really want from him? Do you just want him to satisfy one part of your life, or do you want him to take control of all of your life? Isn't that a difference? Yeah, do you want a passing knowledge of him, or do you want a lasting relationship? Yeah? Do you want a quick fix? Or do you want an eternal satisfaction? Yeah, isn't that difference? Great difference there, because Jesus has everything you need. 
And the question is, are you willing to get all that's available for you? Or do you want to just check in and check out? So this is the question Jesus asks, what do you want? What do you want from me? And then he went on to say, okay, where do you stay? Where do I stay? Okay, I'm coming by. And you can imagine what must have happened there. As they just sat and talked with Jesus. They looked at him, and the longer they were in the atmosphere of Jesus, they realized that the things that meant something to them before don't have the same meaning anymore. Let me see the hands of those who have been Christian all your life. Now let me see the hand of those who became Christian later in your life. Yeah. Okay, so someone said, life is okay, but there are some parts that are not okay. And now I need to fix the not okay part. And I think Jesus can help to satisfy my need. And later on, you got some more information, and you said, I believe I need to follow it in the way that is taught in the Scripture as understood by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Is that right? And so here we are now fulfilling a deeper need of following Jesus. Something interesting happened in that dialogue, uh, that conversation, that interaction at Jesus' house that changed Andrew's life. As a matter of fact, Andrew was so commit, so impacted by what happened in that short encounter, the Bible said that he went and did something special. What did he do? He called his brother. Did it say it was the second thing he done, the third thing he done, the tenth thing he done? What did it say? The very first. The very first thing that he did after leaving an encounter with Jesus is to go to his brother. Now this is very interesting. When you do something first, what does that suggest? Do you have first, second, and third things in your life? Yeah. Priority, that's the word. Yeah? This is at the top of the list. If I have ten things to do today, and I don't get time to do them all, I must decide what must I do. And you push that along to the front of the line and say, I'm going to do this first. Is that right? So you prioritize your life. You reorder, restructure, rearrange, realign. You put into perspective that which must be considered first. Yeah? Because I want to make sure that I get it done. The very first thing that Andrew did was to talk to his brother. Now, what was his brother's name? Simon. Simon. What is our topic, everyone? Go get Simon. You see, this is developing. This is a very interesting dialogue that is happening between John and his disciples and Andrew's response to having been introduced to Jesus through John. And now there is awakened within his heart a desire to share what he has found, not in John, but in who? It's interesting to note that we are only male, uh, male persons. 
We deliver the message, don't we? And it's important that we, uh, we pass along the information because if we didn't, maybe someone wouldn't get the message. The memo would not have passed through the text unless you hit sand. And so we have a part to play. But once we have communicated the message, we decrease like John the Baptist. Because the real one now takes the, the center stage. And what's his name, everybody? His name is Jesus. And so we find now that Sir Andrew is introducing to a person in his life that is more important than anybody else because he wants him to know the person he has met. Isn't that sweet? That we find a relationship that makes a difference in our experience. We want people who are important to us to know it. Peter was his brother. Did he have any other brothers? We don't know. Yeah? But we do know he had Simon Peter. And we do know that he was the first person he had a conversation with about his encounter with Jesus after that encounter. Who is Simon? Now that's a personal question. Because Simon could be different for you than he is for someone else. I would imagine that Peter and uh, Andrew enjoyed coming up together. Could you imagine that one day they, they used to be three years old? Anybody three years old today? Any three-year-old? Who's three years old? One, two, three. Anybody? How old are you? Yes, how old are you? You're eight years, nine, ten. Eight, nine, and ten, right in order. Yeah? All right, here we have it here. Eight, nine, ten, three, seven, children. Very special people. There was a time that Andrew and Simon were eight, or nine, or ten. Yeah? Do you believe I used to be eight? No. Not possible. I did. I used to be eight. One day I used to be one. <laughs> but I'm not one anymore. You have to do a lot of counting to catch up where I am now. But God loves children. You believe that? Yes, he loves children. And Andrew and Simon used to play together. Do you play together? Yeah, how many children? How many sisters do you have? Ah, sisters. One sister? No? How many sisters do you have? Any brothers? One brother. All right. I have three sisters and I have three brothers. So how many children in the family? Seven. That's right. Seven of us. But now in my immediate family, I have one son and two daughters. You think I have them by, did I have them by myself? Do you think I have them all by myself? Just me? No? Who else owns those children? Ah, their mother. That's, that's my wife right there. Yeah. 
So we have three children, yeah? Okay, so Simon and, and Andrew, they grew up together, they loved each other, they had fun together, they played together, they fought together. Even children do that, you know. We have fights sometimes, and we, we, but we love each other, don't we? And so as the years went by, they had a special relationship. And we don't know all the details of it, but it was so special that when Simon or Andrew had something special in his heart and his life, he wanted his brother to have the same feeling. Do you feel that way about Jesus? Do you feel that way about your family? Who is so special in your life that you want to be with you in heaven? Your husband. Yeah. Yes, that's right. People special. Anyone else? Who is that special person you would like to have in, to be with you in heaven? Someone in your family who is not following Jesus as you know. Your children. Yeah. Anyone else? Your parents. Think about it. These are the Simons of your life. And that's the message here today. Go get Simon. You see, Simon could be anyone who is special to you. Anyone who you have a relationship with. Anyone who you love, who you care about. And who you want to share with them those things that are so special and meaningful to you. And out of an encounter of love with Jesus, the one who transformed us and who provided a new meaning and a new purpose and a new destiny, the message of Andrew is, who will we lead to Jesus? Did you ever take time to think about what happened as a result of that introduction? What do you know about Peter? Anything you know about Peter? Hot-tempered. Oh yeah, he was hot-tempered. Yeah? He was a fisherman. So you know his career, you know his personality. Anything else you know about Peter? He was married. He was married, okay. So here we are finding things related to the human experience. Okay? How many of us are employed? Yeah? How many of us work? Yeah? How many of us have family members? You see? So here's Peter. What How many of us have a hot temper? Don't put your hand up. <laughs> yeah? How many of us? But now uh, John, James and John, they probably take the, they, they take the, the, um, the gold medal. Yeah? They're talking about a hot temper. Right? But now maybe impulsive. What's another word you would use to describe Peter? Would impulsive be one of them? Yeah, impulsive. Yeah, quick to speak. Isn't that right? What's another word you might use to describe him? Peter. Peter, loyal. Are you loyal? Loyal. Ah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everybody else is going to leave you, but not me. I'm with you. We were loyal, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, but he, he ended up, he ended up, um, Jesus, listen, I, I, know your, I know your desire and your spirit, but before that cock, the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. Yeah? But what happened after the denial? 
He was very remorseful. So despite all of the limitations that we may have, Jesus reads our heart. And there's just ordinary people like Peter, who Jesus loved so much and died for. Yeah? Okay, so here we find this Peter. We look at his journey. We look at the changes in his life. And the impulsive Peter, the Peter who just spoke what came out of his mouth, even when he couldn't back it up. The Peter who actually denied Christ. The one who was ready to fight when it was not the time to fight. Cut off ears when that was not the right time. Yeah? He just seemed to get himself all mixed up. And Jesus actually said to him one day, When thou art... So he was unconverted. Could it be that some of us can be walking with Jesus and we have not been converted? And yet Jesus still accepts us? That's the beautiful part. Even in our waywardness, even in our limitation, even in our uh, rejection of his love and his desire, Jesus still loves us. That's the beauty of this plan of redemption. And so what John had prepared his disciples for was important not only for them, but for his disciples who live today. Let me see the hand of the disciples of Jesus. Yeah? We are the disciples. We are the followers of Jesus. And so this is our message. And what is it saying to us? It is saying that this message of sharing the good news of salvation is designed for people like us. People who have limitations. People who have strengths. People who have weaknesses. People who have love. People who miss the mark. It's really for human beings. Yes? It's for everybody. It's for everybody. And the question is, how will you take the good news? Well, John introduced Jesus to his disciples. One of them named Andrew introduced Jesus to his brother. And his brother became a follower. What might Pentecost have looked like? if Andrew had not invited Peter to Jesus. Who preached at Pentecost? Peter. How many people were baptized that day? 3,000. Can you imagine? Did you know that the Bible would not have recorded Acts chapter 10? The story of the breaking down of barriers across Jew and Gentile? You remember the vision. That Peter had. Eat Peter. Said, no, I need anything unclean. I'm not talking about the food. I'm talking about your people. How you relate to people that are not of your nationality. How you relate to the gospel when it has to cross cultural barriers. How to relate to people who think differently from you, who have different practices than you have. And the message is very clear the gospel is powerful enough. To reach every human being. Yeah? And so this great message of love communicated in this encounter and in this dialogue leading to witnessing to family, to friends, to loved ones, to people. It's bringing about a transformation within society. One person at a time transforming his social units, family units, 
lives and a world is being changed because of one man impacting one person who impacts another person for Jesus. Isn't that good news? We're dealing with personal evangelism, one-on-one. -on -one. Andrew told Peter, and then the very same chapter, Philip told Nathaniel. You see how this chain reaction, this link, this uh, continuation of experiencing the gospel when one person decides to have a personal relationship with someone who matters and introduces through that relationship the secret of life, the source of life, the solution to real problems, and the ultimate meaning to the human destiny. You can't get it better than finding it by way of Jesus. That's the good news. But the question is, what will we do with the Jesus who we know? I suggest today that we go and get Simon. Yeah, you think it makes sense? Let me see the hands of those who believe I can be one of Jesus' disciples who will go get Simon. Is that you? And God is inviting us to do that. Today, we want to talk a little more about how but who is anybody, anywhere, anytime? But the question is how? How can we invite someone who is an atheist to Jesus? How can we help someone who doesn't even want to talk about religion to Jesus? How do we impact those who have thrown out Christianity as a preferred way of life. How can we share Jesus to them? So you want to come back this afternoon, don't you? We want to continue this dialogue on how we share Jesus to people who we love. And I just want to just share just one or two slides before we end today, this morning. But here, just a recapping. Andrew told his brother Simon about Jesus. Simon Peter became a disciple of Jesus. Peter preached and 3,000 were baptized. John told Andrew about Jesus. You see how it starts and how it just continues here. Who is Simon? You tell me. Who is Simon? Family, friends, neighbors, children, strangers. And where do you find Simon, by the way? Everywhere. And everywhere includes where? Homes, workplace, school, shopping. Yeah, you got a field here that living is about Simon. Isn't that right? Because we are interacting, impacting people because we are social beings. But wherever it happens is an opportunity. To introduce Simon to Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? And the question is how? We'll come back and continue that dialogue as we continue. Lights Ministry is a ministry that I founded. And it's, the, it's a curriculum of the School of Evangelism. And it's designed for the purpose of helping believers to mature as disciples. So that we multiply ourselves with others 
who, like us, become disciples of Jesus Christ. It's an online program primarily, but at the same time it happens wherever I am able to go and connect with people. Uh, we have begun a program in Bracknell in training of last year and uh, August of this year I'll be leading a family enrichment uh, seminar throughout the month of uh, August and in the month of October we'll be leading a seminar on the book of Revelation. Yeah, also we'll be having some training at Guilford Church in the month of November. So Light's ministry is my ministry, if I would use that, of helping to prepare disciples to share the good news with others. Here are the leaders of um, the Rwanda Union. And uh, that was last, last year. We had a four-day intensive course and all of the administrators from each of the missions and conferences within the union met at the union office and we went through two courses in a full, full day uh, of seminars and from there we went also into the field and uh, here are some of the students that were a part of that, that learning experience. So we went also in the field there in Rwanda and provided opportunity for uh, students at one of the nearby universities as well as through the villages and churches uh, to benefit from training to help us as believers to carry out the Christian mission. Uh, this, these shots are from India uh, where also last year where Light's Ministry provided training to equip believers for, for ministry. With such an army of workers, and here now Alan White says of youth, rightly trained, might furnish how soon the message of a crucified, risen, and soon coming Savior might be carried to the whole world, how soon might the end come, the end of suffering and sorrow and sin. So there is a place for every believer, from our youth to those of our senior years, God calls all of us to go get Simon. May God help us as we engage this journey for today in reflecting, refocusing on what it means to be a disciple who goes to get Simon. May God bless you. May God bless us in ministry, in training today, and in continued ministry in life. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for reminding us of your love and your plan to redeem the human race. Help us to find our rightful place in life to share the good news of salvation so that many people like us may find in Jesus the fulfillment of our deepest need. Grant us, Lord, a life of joy of sharing that story and grant us an eternity of joying, enjoying the very presence of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.